much for tuning in to the Late to the Game podcast today, hosted by yours truly. I'm Ellie from Red Ellie Gamer, and I'm joined by the delightful and charming Ned. So, how are you today? Hey, how are you? Um, it's it's great to be doing this at last, isn't it? Yeah, it's very exciting. Very on edge, actually. <laughs> well, I think lo- the community has really got to know you recently, and uh, I think they've been really excited to hear this uh, this new show that you're doing. So congratulations. Thanks so much. Yeah. No, the community is great. And uh, I've, I've just... They also all would recognize the the panic that I would have, like the excited panic. Like they've all seen me stream. So they all understand that like <laughs> the weird energy that I have at this moment. <laughs> so tell me, you're, you're, this whole idea of late to the game, um, this kind of came up in the, the last couple of months. So you're streaming about three months now. Um, and it's sort of a new concept for... The, you know, games journalists. I don't, I don't really see a lot of people kind of talking about games. That I see people talking about retro games, you know, like going back to 8-bit Mario. But no one's really talking about games that kind of came out five years ago. So what is this? Uh, well, geez. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's not, you know, the excitement of enjoying like vintage games. Like I don't have like an edge on being cool and being like, yeah, I play like exclusively PlayStation two games and only platformers. <laughs> like I, like I, I don't have that like edge to me. I truly like well and truly genuinely am just late um, just due to school and everything like that. So while I've been going down this journey, which definitely started as a result of the pandemic, um, I, you know, started started this about six months ago and started in the direction of writing about games and just consuming games. And then it became like, what's a way that I can like breach the gap between the people that want to read what I'm writing and want to actually know the writer. So then I took up streaming, which has now just gone on its own trajectory um, for the just the last three months. And just like the way that that has grown has really shocked me personally. <laughs> um, but well, I think there's a bit yeah. of a zeitgeist right now at the moment, though, isn't there? That you, yes. there's you know, we're on the tail end of a pandemic. <laughs> well, hopefully the tail end. Hopefully, of yeah. <laughs> and you know, a lot of new people have come to gaming over the last twelve months. You know, through a search of entertainment. You know, people have completed Netflix, so they've been looking for more things to do. And a lot of Definitely. new demographics are joining gaming. A lot of women are joining gaming. And you've introduced me to this new term, which I wasn't familiar with before, which is the idea of gatekeeping. And I, I know I've been guilty of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what late to the game is <gasps> doing you? is it, it's really opening, you know, opening up the gate for, for, for people to say, hey, it's okay to be to be late to the game, you know? Definitely, yeah. No, I'm shocked that you would say that you are actually guilty of of gatekeeping um you've always been very susceptible to me whenever i've been late to any of them and be like what's that i don't know what the last of us is but gatekeeping yeah it's definitely pretty rampant uh not so much anymore like obviously the fact that i am able to have this kind of platform with any sort of success it is a testament to the fact that the industry is changing and is opening up um 
But yeah, I mean, even just like when I wanted to, because I've always loved video games. Like I would play with my cousins when I was younger and I grew up with boy cousins. And for them, it was fully acceptable to be playing video games all the time. And um, for me, though, whenever I like asked for a console at home, it was like, "Ah, you're just doing that to impress like your boyfriend or something like that. Like it was all it was all shifted around this like male centered narrative. It was like, no, I just I just like to play fucking games like I just I just want to play um but yeah so I mean definitely the gatekeeping has gotten better you know and I'm sure that's not a unique experience either like I'm I'm sure that many women listening to this show um will will will, um probably agree that you know they've they've kind of the assumption was that this was for their brothers or their their boyfriends yeah um you know, and that seems really unfair because there's some amazing experiences there. Um, but I know that we're, you know, gamers, and I don't think I, I never, you know, I never think of it like I'm, you know, I'm a guy and I'm, I'm trying to like gatekeep. But I consider myself like a long-term gamer, and therefore I try to gatekeep from new gamers. Sometimes, going, hey, you're not playing real games, <laughs> or maybe you're playing on easy mode, or you're playing mobile games. And- You've never been that kind of guy. No, I've got better. I've got better. There's probably been part of me that has felt that way sometimes. But then, you know, I play, I'm, you know, the late to the game concept is, is kind of applicable to me and and to other people like me as well. You know, I'm, I'm in my late thirties now and uh, I I work many, many hours, you know, got kids to look after and, I don't get as much gaming time in as as I used to. So um, I, I'm, I'm late to like individual games. Uh, I'm not late to the idea of gaming, but <laughs> I'm late right. to a lot of games. So, so like, I mean, you, that's you know, fair. maybe that's helped me, you know, maybe, be, you know, I don't want to be gatekept either myself. Struck some compassion. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that so. Makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, speaking of, what the hell we're late to what game uh are you late to right now what are you what what journey are you endeavoring upon well so i'm playing two things at the moment uh, and one of them i'm not late to well i'm I'm kind of slightly behind the curve on it which is uh, assassin's creed valhalla and um you know uh it's it is what it is um you know i love assassin's creed <laughs> uh, but it never quite um hits the mark that I wanted to and this one kind of came up even shorter in terms of I love the Assassin's Creed lore I love the original games that really were all about stealth and thinking through almost a little bit more Hitman Hitman style where there was like a you know almost problem solving of how you were going to assassinate someone Uh, and it's just become become more open world I've seen the success of Witcher and Horizon Mm. And they've tried to kind of turn their games into something that kind of w- was a little bit more similar to those games. Um, and they've kind of got rid-, rid of the Assassin's Creed lore as well. And that's annoyed me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, which I'd that's a wild rather, oh, you... concept to me. So I would like you, yeah. like, I would just in general like to understand, like, what departures has it taken from, like, the AC universe? Because, like, I heard that, like, a lot of people saying mm. this, and you've said this repeatedly, but I don't know, like, what all it's stepping away from, basically. Well, okay, so to, to try and do it, number one, to try and remember it and to try to summarize it in a nutshell is going to be difficult, <laughs> but 
there was a modern day character called Desmond, uh, voiced by Nolan North, by the way, you know, of of uh, of Nathan Drake fame. Yeah, so he was, he was really cool. Um, and he was brought to a uh, to a facility in which he was tests were were being done to him, and he would have to sit into this machine and remember who his ancestors were through his DNA. This this machine, the, the Animus, was able to tell you. You know, you were able to live the memories of your ancestors. You know, um, and what he found out though was that his ancestors were all part of this uh, brotherhood of assassins, and there was a whole sort of centuries long battle between the assassins and the Templars, and all very cool stuff. Um, and it a lot of people just didn't like the modern day stuff i think i loved it and okay. i think any like you know any real assassin's creed fan talking about gatekeeping Whoa. but any real assassin's creed, <laughs> creed fan did really like it. and then there was just a lot of people that just loved playing and i just want to play in renaissance italy i just want to play in um you know, 18th century uh, London, and they didn't really like the the the, the jumps into modern day um, stuff. But they've kind of got mm. rid of all of that for the most part. There's there's hints at it, and um, you know, so it just seems like an afterthought now. Um, they still put it in there in order to um, make sure that they can still call it an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> <laughs> but it's and wasn't it's, there also you know, like a it was following a specific family line right and it now was. it's just not yeah it's not anymore no so it was desmond's uh family line that they were right. following before and now they've got rid of that which you know you can explain that away you know there'd obviously be more than one family and and so on you could explain mm. that away but the, they just the, the writing behind it got just a little bit looser when the marketing became more important than the writing. Um, you know, so just a little sure. bit disappointed with where the, where the series has gone. I love the, I love some of the stuff that they've done. I mean, the worlds are beautiful and they're big, but just generally the, the writing yeah, behind it hasn't, has been great. So, so that's one game that I'm playing. Um, but the one that I'm late to right now at the okay. moment is Hollow Knight. <laughs> and uh, I suppose more generally, Yay, I'm just okay. to the whole sort of Souls game uh, sort of idea. I tried yeah, playing preach. Bloodborne a few years ago. And uh, so I love the idea of these games. <laughs> I'm trying to... Okay. I'm trying to find some... Um, some peace with the idea that I have to die over and over again. But, you know, like I said earlier on, I'm, you know, a guy that works kind of like 60 hours a week and my, my kids have the TV most of the time and they're playing games. So when I sit down for my like mm-hmm. half an hour, hour to play, I want to feel at the end of that hour that I've made progress. Not that I'm still right, right, waking right, right. up on the same bench every single time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's punishing. It's meant to punish. <laughs> well, I think because the idea is that, you know, through repetition, you're going to, you know, get better at kind of noticing the, you know, the the routines of the, the bosses and, you know, the animation and so right. on. But when you're only playing a little bit every single day and maybe some days not at all, then that retention, that repetition doesn't actually stick and so you're just yeah. beating your head off a brick wall a lot of the time <laughs> i love the game I, I love the music in the game although one thing okay. i don't like about the music is that it starts on the exact same chord every time you die so it just feels like you've uh, like just pressed it really feels like a reset every time because of the music it um, would. i don't know, I don't know what it's a fix rude, i feel 
It is, yeah. Like that feels very purposeful where it's like, hey, <laughs> remember mm. how you felt the last time you heard this? Feel it again. <laughs> it's, it really adds to the Groundhog Day, you know, idea of dying. And um, yeah. I, I think there's, I, surely there's some some way that they they could fix that. Anyway, but I, I do really like the soundtrack. It's it's really I feel like it was intentional. I, it probably was. <laughs> Maybe for people that die Because it less seems like, me. I mean, you. I feel like, I, well, I don't know that it's that. I think it's probably, uh, I mean, maybe this is just like a hot take, but anyone that's a creator of a Souls game has to be a little bit sadistic because they know they're making a difficult game that you do not get to just like succeed in unless you figure out their system and and excel in that system. So with their their death screens probably have to be like, made with a lot of intent and i can imagine that using the same chord the same starting moment to be like you're gonna know what this minor chord sounds like for the rest of your life like this might haunt you in a moment where you're walking through your day and something happens like you drop a coffee and you're like fuck and you just hear that chord like i can imagine that that's like i think they're i think it is a sadistic kind of charm to a souls game I think you're absolutely right because there isn't a de- death screen in this game. It just kind of fades to black and then you just hear the chord and you're waking up on this bench again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. but no, it's a it's a beautiful game as well. Um, you know, I find some of these games that have, you know, sort of hidden narratives sometimes and, and not explicitly telling a story with characters that are explicitly telling us. I find them a little bit lonely sometimes. You know, I want to be part of like a, yeah. a big narrative with, you know, with, with a team behind me and people that I'm talking to regularly. And um, I don't know, for someone that's played on my own and a lot of single player games over the years, that's kind of what I want out of a game. When I sit down and play, uh, play Hollow Knight, uh, you know, and games like it, um, I I just feel a little bit um, you know, I, I feel a little bit isolated. Maybe not lonely, but definitely isolated. Um, so that's that's another reason mm. I'm probably finding it difficult. I don't know. Maybe a Souls game. One game that I played a little bit uh, around Christmas time, um, was Hades. And and that's kind of like a Souls oh, game. Yeah. It's, it's more what they call a roguelike game where, you know, you're dying over and over again. Um, but God, and it's so beautiful a, too. A, it's really beautiful. And they have all of these characters that like, are telling you a different, you know, every time that you die, like dying kind of makes sense in that world. Well, yeah. I mean, you're dealing with that mythology in Hades. Mm, yeah and you're you, you know your your dad like is just like like ripping you off every time that you yo you're back you didn't make it out again <laughs> eh? you know and so you know I, I kind of I didn't feel as isolated in that game even though it was kind of very yeah. similar in that I was kind of you know um it, it is different it's not a souls like game it's it's what they call a rogue like game which is slightly different in, in in how it's set up but I just love the interaction with with characters and that that's what i really like sure because i know you know i i talk about hollow knight not really having like a, a story or a branching narrative but you've been um you've just started a narrative course a, a course in narrative game making yeah. and, and hollow knight was actually on the list of great narratives that we need to know totally, about this yeah. is one of the reasons i i started doing it so so i know i'm missing something well so what I what I imagine is happening at the moment is that because you haven't played a Souls game before and because I've had from multiple people tell me that the Souls game you should start on is absolutely not Hollow Knight because it is just <laughs> ridiculously difficult. Um, 
But uh, I imagine what's happening is that even if you are like, what, like 10 hours or something into the game, because you haven't played a Souls game before, because you're learning these new mechanics, you're probably not actually making a lot of headway into the story. Like you're not, you're not getting Mm. to the part where it starts becoming like, whoa, plot, narrative, you know? And I don't know that it's ever going to like, you know, smack you over the head with it anyways, because of the nature of the game. But um, yeah, I imagine it's, it's something that you're going to have to dig for a bit and you're really going to press on. And I feel like it probably feels especially grueling getting to play it in short snippets, because if you were able to just like play it for like three hours at a time, then you would feel like, like you were saying earlier, you would feel that you've made progress. You would feel that you've like gotten somewhere. And by that, like you would actually, because like play three hours and, you know, say like, uncharted or something like that it's like you've made progress you know what's happening in the story but like with a souls game it's like have you have you gotten better because we're not we're not relaxing this modern day games they'll actually like set you back like one third the way through the boss like Mm. you know you'll you'll still there'll there'll be checkpoints within a boss fight you know souls like games not only do (laughs) not only do souls games not do that they sent you back 10 minutes journey away from the boss with all of the the npc characters all after um, absolutely and so you take 10 minutes to get to this boss that's killing you in 20 seconds (laughs) you do that three times you don't beat the boss again and then it's like all right well now i have to like go back to work (laughs) and i have a question um Mm. with because I know with um, Demon's Souls, at least, like that realm, Dark Souls and everything. I And I, well, to Sekiro as well. So maybe this is just like a Souls game. But with Hollow Knight, whenever you die, is your health bar diminished until you beat that boss? Yeah. That is the rudest your, your thing. Your health yeah, bar I mean, is diminished honestly. until you find your shadow. So your shadow Ooh. is going to be where... You're, yeah, so which which is a little bit it's easier because your shadows yeah? normally placed just outside of yeah more or less it's it I think they're they're called something else in in this right. but the, your shadow is normally going to be a little bit further away from where that boss was so when you go and get your shadow you 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 hit it twice and like you you you've got your health back and and so on and and, and all of your coins but if you don't get your shadow the first That's time cool. all of those co- coins are lost and so like your overall <sighs> progress is is lost and you need those coins for those little bits of progress that you need for the overall game too so it's happened to me a couple of times where i've had like a big bank because you can't bank them anywhere so far that i've found anyway you can't bank them anywhere you know so so wait is there no like building in hollow knight like there is but they're more like kind of shortcuts to where you need to go there's some shops and so on but i haven't come across a bank to actually like bank your, oh no no your, your i mean i wasn't meaning like a physical building i was meaning like is there no like uh character build like like in like a Demon's little Souls bit and stuff that i've watched like you can you know you're 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 spending there, there your is souls, to a degree yeah whatever there's items that you buy up. there's items is that there you buy um no no, there's what? just there's items that you buy that you will equip onto yourself that make life just that little bit easier. There's maps that you need to buy. Like you're really mapping this kind of dungeon out and so on. Um, but there's not that progression isn't isn't really part of the game. That sort of character building isn't really part of the game. That sounds unreasonably difficult. When I um and just to like 
put a pin in that little part of Hollow Knight. I have planned for my eight hour stream to uh, play that for like an hour or two. And that now feels like a sincerely bad idea. Um, but that's fine. <laughs> we can bundle it with the other games that I'm late to. <laughs> I think you'll find the first hour or two really, actually, really enjoyable, actually. I, I did. Um, it's then when you start trying to make make a lot of progress. I think that's when I found right. found it. I don't know. I I I I am going to try it for try 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 to keep going for uh, on it for a while longer. I, I'm not sure that it's for me right now where I am at in Fair. my life. <laughs> you know, I can okay. see the beauty in it, and I can see the appeal in these games. Uh, just and maybe in years time. You know, I have more time in my hands. That'll never happen. But, you know, maybe I might, I might be able to, to come back to, to, <laughs> to that happen. particular game. Um, but I will I will try other Souls games. You know, I I, I do mm. want to try to, to get back to Bloodborne at some stage. And I do want to try Demon Souls Everyone as well. Everyone loves Bloodborne. But uh, no, I love the idea of building a character. Uh, and and mm. games like your pick are, you know, are much, you know, much more towards my style. So... You know, you've yeah. been streaming your 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 um your games lately. Tell us all about what you're yes. doing. Yes, so I am. So I just finished Uncharted Two last night, and that was an absolute delight. And the other game I'm playing is Horizon. But um, Uncharted Two, man, just such a journey. And like it is, it's. And I I, I say this in one of the pieces that I had written, but like. The difference between Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2, like, just, they're made of the same thing, but they come out with wildly different results. Like, Mm. they're just, Uncharted 2 is just so much, like, so significantly better in terms of the way the mechanics are used. Um, And I don't feel like the use of zombies slash yetis was uh overkill <laughs> in in uncharted 2 where what very much was in uncharted 1 because i remember like listen in uncharted 1 when i was like oh there's like mystical stuff that's gonna happen this is cool we're getting into like monsters and i was like fresh off of like playing witcher 3 and god of war like i'm not afraid of playing monsters in games but um, and so whenever I was in Uncharted 1 and there's like, I remember there's this teaser part where like, I think you hear a growl in the distance or something and you see like a muddy like print in the ground and it looks like a kind of flipper. Like it did not look in any way like a foot that we would recognize as like our feet. Um, and so I saw it and I was like, oh my God, no way. There's going to be like monsters in this. That's cool as fuck. But then I, you know, kept playing. I was like, and I had like had enough time to fully forget this teaser. And at 91% of the game, it was like, but what if we put you in a small room and swarm you with zombies? And then the rest of your game is in a rusty bunker. And I was so mad. (laughs) As you know, we got in a fight because I was so upset that I had been given this zombie game. But oh. well, I had sold it to you in the in in, in the wrong way. Apparently, <laughs> I had sold 100%. it to you as a, 
Indiana Jones uh, in a modern setting. Which uh, it was. I mean, I stand, I stand by that. Until 91% of it. <laughs> I guess, you know, that, that section of the game uh, was annoying for me uh, just because it did kind of change up some of the gameplay, but it wasn't as impactful for me as it had been for you. So so maybe that was just why, because I, I had only just done, done my own replay of the whole series the year before right. with, uh, yeah. with my son, with Ryan. With and, your nine-year-old? Uh, with my nine-year-old who didn't find it that impactful. <laughs> it was just made of thicker skin than me. <laughs> but, you know, zombies just haven't been a thing for me. See, I played, you know, the, um, the 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 rest of the Naughty Dog games, like The Last of Us, and maybe I just, you know. I'm not ready for that evolution. <laughs> I'm absolutely, completely not ready to play those zombies jesus but you're right though i mean the 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 progression between uncharted 1 and uncharted 2 is just is is, is phenomenal you know yeah. uh, they they and it, it it seems to be the case with so many video games that that second game is is the game that really makes the series then you know like assassin's sure, yeah. creed assassin's creed 2 was the game that made the series uncharted 2 was the game that made the series um and, and Uncharted certainly certainly was the was was the same. Um, you know, a lot of people actually say that Uncharted Two is the best game. I know a lot of people in the chat and the community and Discord and so on have been saying that. I I disagree yeah. with them on that. Uh, but I know you've really enjoyed this one, so it'd be interesting to see no, what you think of Three and Four. Um. Yeah. Well, see, the thing that happened when I started playing the series was that like everyone when I would say I was playing like the first Uncharted, they were like, "Oh my God, if this is your first playthrough." two is the best one you're gonna love it and i was like okay so they set my expectations quite high and they definitely weren't disappointed but i also was thinking to myself every time that someone told me that number like the second one was the best i was like why am i playing the rest of them then like what is the point (laughs) if if three and four are apparently garbage in comparison to two but i think it's just and, and you've said this before when we've talked about it but i think everyone was just so shocked by the evolution that it was, that it just became like, right. wow, we have never seen that distinct difference between one of the games for the rest of this series. Like it very much was like, one is in this different place, two through four are in another level completely. And so, but everyone, there's a lot of people that say four is really good as well. So I'm excited for that one. Games are judged so much on how they evolve and, and how they innovate, you know? So like, Three isn't that much of an innovation uh, beyond two. I personally prefer the story in Three. Yeah, you're the literally only person that's ever said that you prefer Three. You're the only person I've ever met that has said Three instead of Two or Four. And and I think Four is the best in the series. I, you know, I, I think Four is the best in the series. Then I, you know, I I I just think the maturity of the storytelling by the time that you get to Four is so far beyond anything that they've done. Like they had already released last of us one by the you know at that stage as well so they're just like a a very mature company just absolutely nailing it so for me four is the best in the series um but it but it's not the jump four is a big jump from three for me um but it's not the jump that two was from one and i think that's what it is i think that's what the community games probably more so than any other type of medium look for uh, an evolution and innovation and that's what the game Mm. gets judged on if you release a a sequel that you know to a to a great game and it's just more of the same it tends to get slated a little bit and i think that's a bit unfair because we wouldn't do that in movies or books maybe you know you don't have to innovate on books you you just you know i totally disagree with that really 
Okay. Well, if you told a great story and then the sequel was another great story, is that a is that a problem? No, but you're not. That's not. You're not comparing like with like. I feel. Um, okay. Because like, in terms of like books and stuff, I mean, if we we won't get into this because this is a discussion that we have had plenty of times before. But there's a particular <laughs> author that I absolutely adore, and she, <clears throat> excuse me, habitually writes a first novel to her series that is not indicative of what the rest of the series will be. (laughs) So she, Mm. and I don't think, I don't feel like it's a good thing that we do, but I feel like it is kind of a part of like an artistic nature. And and we've even seen this like with games, because you said yourself, like the second game is always better than the first. And I feel like it's because like the creator, you know, the author or the creative designer, whatever it is, um, is is just so much more acquainted with the characters and the story and the world that they've created that they have like way way more like free reign in like within the the boundaries that they've built themselves you know whereas like in the beginning in the first one it's like here's this thing i made um and so i think i definitely look for that in in books as well especially in a series kind of thing because if in the specific series we were talking about if i had read A Court of Thorns and Roses and I had continued to read the same as book number one throughout the series, I would have been upset. And I would have been. I know I didn't see the issues the first time I read it, but once you open my eyes to it, I was suddenly like very much uh, more skeptical whenever I was viewing these books. And she does have this, like Sarah J. Mass habitually goes through her books of writing the first one being like, blah, this is the world. And then two through like, I don't know, seven, she's just like, this is amazing. Here's this gold that I'm presenting to you on a golden platter. And I think, I don't know, I I, I prefer that growth. <laughs> I, I guess I just forgive games companies a little bit more for that than maybe an author. And an author is is one person, uh, you know, and, and for them to be able, I think it's easier for them to get an artistic vision of what they're creating. Whereas I think a mm. games company is potentially, you know, hundreds, if not thousands in some cases of people that are trying to shape one product. And, and, and it's not until the end, particularly if it's a new IP and, you know, like Uncharted was or Assassin's Creed was, really isn't until years later when it's all come together and it's delivered and people have started to play it, they go, oh, that's what the game is. And now it's easy to right. iter- easier to iterate on that and to innovate on that theme moving forward. Mm. I think the expectation on a games company is not only to I- iterate and innovate in story, but also in graphics and game mechanics. Um, there's just there's so yeah. many expectations on a company like that. Whereas I'm, I'm probably less forgiving to an author, really, because it's... I don't know. You know, I think you're right. I mean, you know, you, you I have read that series and <laughs> we will get that get into no. that on a different podcast. You someday. have not read that but, series. You have read well, 1.2 yes, of that series. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I can already see the shift in book in book 2 and actually that was one of the reasons that I was kind of, you know, uh, I found that found, found found that difficult. But um I I do I do think that there's probably more pressure on games companies to innovate you know because of the amount of moving parts movie you know the the yeah 
music, uh, narrative, gameplay, graphics, um, all of these moving parts that need to be innovated on. I just think there's more pressure on them, you know, and, and Uncharted 2 did that, you know, in every way that game is better. Even the voice acting and Nolan North was great mm-hmm. in the first one, but he's even better in the second one. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with that, though, you could argue that like the way in which an author is only one person, there are still going to be like divisions of labor in any game company. So like, you know, you would have one team that has gotten to know the specific aspect of it and they would be responsible for exceeding expectations or at least progressing in some way to the second one. You know, it's not like they just like wipe the slate clean. Here's our brand new director and like new team that doesn't know anything about this. Like there are still going to be people fulfilling the same roles that are very acquainted with the story. So I feel like to hold them to a bit of a higher expectation is fair, you know? Yeah, I, I mean... I- I guess I'm just one of these people that I don't need too much innovation between my games. If I like a game, I don't need it to be that different the next time. So, you know, Uncharted 3 being my, my example of this, which I loved Uncharted 3. Like, it's it mm. doesn't look particularly much better. Like, like it, the story isn't doesn't blow my mind away more than two. Like it's, <laughs> it's just another great Uncharted game. It's another adventure that I get, I get to go on with Nathan Drake. So, you know, um, I, I get a little bit annoyed sometimes by reviewing and by the industry you know knocking games because they don't innovate and it's like yeah but it's a cool game uncharted 2 was great and uncharted 3 is a different story using all of the same elements and i don't know why i I don't expect innovation but i I get why it's important i feel like in terms of that um maybe this sounds bad but like if we're just talking like just naughty dog and from what i know of it because of uh, from what i know of all of their games because of you or because i've played them like if we consider uncharted the series and we're throwing a hissy fit over their lack of progression and then we also look at the last of us i feel like that's i don't I don't think that's fair to look at Uncharted and compare mm. it on the same scale that we would do with the last of us because the last of us is it like an like unequivocal, unequ- unequivocated masterpiece kind of thing. And so like to the degree which it is a masterpiece is the degree that we can criticize. I mean, look, the only um, the only progression, the only, the only the only two games that I think that don't really progress hugely are Uncharted 2 to Uncharted 3. Yeah, um, right. my, you know, so I, I think as a, as a company, they, they did hugely progress um, between mm. each one of these. And, you know, Uncharted 3, the next game that they released was The Last of Us. My God. Right. But that but do you know what I mean, though, when I'm talking about like seeking innovation? Like, I feel like we can't we can't look after the same kind of innovation that we would hope for from The Last of Us. Um and put that same lens on Uncharted because they're just on completely different like playing fields. Do you know what I mean? Right. But I think what they did was as a company, they took what they learned from the last of us and they applied it to Uncharted four. Ooh. You know, like so, there was there was well, huge progression. That, I, I, that's what I said earlier on. I, I I think I think I think the biggest jump for me was from Uncharted Three to Uncharted Four because Last of Us in the mm. is in the middle there, and there's just the storytelling yeah. is phenomenal in Four and the character and that's when development, did Neil Druckmann the humanity in? in it. Well, Neil, Dr- Neil Druckmann was part of the uh, of he's been part of the team since one, uh, and he was. Working under Amy Hennig from the very from from the get go, um, but I think his first direction was for Uncharted Three, 
Uh, and then I think okay. he took over towards the end of that game. And then um, then obviously Last of Us was his, his first major um, direction um, mm. with, with, with that with that with that studio. So um, cool. But they, yeah, you can see you can, and, and he wasn't wasn't meant to be part of the Uncharted 4 project either it wasn't until the the end of that project that he was actually drafted in to kind of finish off that series um and you can just see it you can just That's see wild. the master storytelling in there and and just the humanity in the characters i think is really cool but I, i'm excited for you to play and uh, play the rest of the series do you think that you'll jump straight into tree or, or are you gonna gonna take a break from that that was the other bit of news. Um, yeah, so I think I'm going to take a brief hiatus, depending on how well it goes, and start Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, because I haven't played a mainline Final Fantasy before. Um, I There was this, mm. and I to this day, I just will absolutely never know the name of this game, but I have played a Final Fantasy game before, but it was a co-op <laughs> game. It was, like a, it was just like a, an off-branch co-op game. And I remember my cousins and I, we would have our Game Boys, and if you plugged your Game Boys into the GameCube, then you could all play together. And there would be like six of us playing this Final Fantasy game. And I know it was Final Fantasy because that's why I know the term since I was like a child. I was never a Nintendo kid, so I, d- I don't know what this game is. Um, like my introduction to the series was Final Fantasy VII, um, the original one, back in back in 1998. See, okay, the one that I remember was like, there was a lot of... Um, it was it was just so like fantastical you know like it, it was um there were you were going around to like different villages and stuff but i remember there was this specific okay so if we're just like rifling through childhood memory um there was this one area this one level area that was like it looked like a it looked like you were suddenly quite small and everything around you was mushrooms and you were just like hopping from like padded mushroom things everywhere and they're like a potence or whatever. Um, but there was like that. And then there would be, you would go into your like cute little map and, you know, jaunt along the road. And then you would, there was like a giant castle, like everything. I don't know if this is kid brain or if this is actually the game, but everything <laughs> in the game seemed like all of the set pieces were much larger than you were. Um, and you would play with your, you know, however many people were in your like troop. And I remember I had, and I specifically remember like my like breed or whatever, cause I was just like a girly girl and I, I just liked the way she looked, but there was this like really cute curvaceous girl and she was from like raccoon. Um, like, I don't know if that was the race or if that was something else, but like, I remember she, she wore like animal skins. She was scantily clad and she had like heavy makeup and like dark hair and i remember like i have such vivid memories of this that i don't think i could have dreamed it but it does sound like a fever dream when i talk about it (laughs) definitely isn't familiar to me but if there's anyone that's listening to the podcast and knows about it they should definitely contact you and that's definitely a game that i can be late to at some point (laughs) because it's a cool game raccoon girl yeah It was cool. And you could also be like a tanky guy or whatever, but you know, I chose to be the pretty girl. (laughs) Also, my God, we digress. Um, I'm playing Horizon. I won't touch on that for very, very much because I'm going to be playing it for like the rest of my life. I think it's, it's a big, big boy. It's a really fun experience so far, but because of the, the fact that I've played a lot of 
more concise experiences recently. I'm having a harder time with dealing with the fact that I'm not in story yet. Um, Cause mm. I've heard amazing things about how much this story progresses and how much it means to everyone. And everyone's like, this is the best. This is, you know, this game is like, I'm able to spend 300 hours in this world or something like that. And um, I just don't, I don't feel like I'm attached to any sort of story. I feel like we had the proving and I was like, oh, I'm going to go off on this like epic journey. I'm going to find like her mom. I'm going to find out like everyone's, you know, <laughs> religious associations with technology because they don't understand it. Um, and all this cool stuff. And I'm going to be like a hunter along the way. I'm thinking it's like this concise 40 hour journey, but it's obviously just not. And so like I've done a couple like, you know, take down this village, free this bandit camp. And it's just like, it's just a lot of monotony at the moment, but I can't progress further because I need to level up to get more into the storyline, you know? So that's what I'm struggling with at the moment. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I did a replay of this recently inspired by your, um, your, your late to the game journey, um, to go and get my, my, my platinum trophy and to, to replay some of the stuff that I didn't do the first time. And I love that game. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's in hindsight, when you finish the game, you look back at the story and go, Oh, I, this was just such a great story. But actually what you're missing is that it was spread out over a long period of time. And there's a lot of space and there's a lot of, um, you know, not particularly interesting side quests along the way mm. what saves the game um i think not not what saves the game but what makes the game is 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 the battle system is is the combat totally. i think it's so, it's so well cool. designed it's so gratifying and you feel like a badass and you're taking down machines totally. and you're a hunter so you get to be really clever about it like you you know later in the game you can be yeah. much more sort of warrior like where you can kind of go in guns blazing but like definitely early in the game you're kind of having to do a little bit of thinking you know puzzle out the area and kind of figure out well if i take this person mm -hmm. out and then take this machine out and maybe turn this machine against that and then take this part and all the components to the machines and, and how you can manipulate them i think that's mm. incredibly clever um and that's so so some of the missions that are just like hey go and like clear out this particular area in itself is kind of like bad quest design i think sometimes because it's just it's the old school warcraft sort of kill 10 of these yeah um, quest design yeah. tick this box so that you get xp right but it's so fun <laughs> to do that in that game that i think it, we get it we get it, it gets away with some maybe less than fantastic side quests um mm. but i i do you know my, my recommendation would be just to get you know do power through that game and read every data point and listen to every data point that you can because a lot of the story is actually in that you know um mm. and it like when you're finished that, I do want to talk to you a little bit because you, you know, you've got your master's in publishing and studied literature and, you know, now you're studying gaming and so on. I do want to ask you about, do we hold games to a lesser standard than books in terms of narrative? Because I wonder about the story of Horizon mm -hmm. and I wonder if you put that into a series of novels, does it stand, is it that, you know, is it a mind blowing story? I, I still think it is. But I'd like to get your perspective on that. And I'd like to hear what other people think on that as well. Because um, sometimes I worry that, you know, 
we kind of we accept lesser storytelling in games sometimes and we 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 you know mediocre stories are considered mind-blowingly good in games um where yeah. they wouldn't be that's, given that sort of that's been my experience a couple times already just because like just the nature of being late to all of this um like for instance mm. what, that my biggest example for this and i just don't just people i know you will disagree <laughs> Don't hate me for this. It is my opinion. And it is based from having this literature uh, publishing background. But Life is Strange is not deeply profound to me. And I've had a lot of people, and this is season one I'm talking about. I haven't played season two. Um, but right. I've had a lot of people tell me that this game like changed their lives. Have And, and they, you know, they just... They just had this extraordinary connection to the story and they were just, you know, mind blown by the twists and turns of it. And I just, I very much felt that I was in a walking sim of a moody teenager that was figuring out that she's gay. And that is not enough to me like i like i even have stream evidence of being like if this whole fucking nightmare journey at the end of this game is just to be like i love chloe it's like we knew we already knew like you've been in love with her this whole time you've destroyed well, well, the I don't world think that 40 was the times purpose over of it. no you don't because <laughs> it's the grand reveal and your choice is to save you know spoiler alert your choice is to save chloe or arcadia it's funny Bay. though it's funny that you consider that the grand reveal it is the grand reveal. Everything else is secondary. Playing with time, playing with time and, and you know, you know, managing to massively screw up the world because of all these other timelines existing. Like, yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> that's nothing new. Um, and I feel like partially what saddens me is that I was totally shocked by Mr. Jefferson. But because of the emphasis that they placed on the relationship with Chloe at the end of it, it made it feel like the purpose of the game was to reveal that this is, you know, Max finding out she's gay or bi. And I mm. am not into that. I much would have preferred having this way crazy like timeline game, this, this you know, this story of friends that just like desperately love each other. Like I'm I'm a part of the queer community. I'm very happy to have like a queer story in the mix, but I feel like the way it was done cheapened mm. the amazing story that they did actually have embedded in it because then it became a very teen story to me. Do you know what I mean? I would have liked them to explore the relationship between the two of them earlier than what they yeah. did. Like, I mean, they did it in the very last scene. So it, we never get to question things or we never get to explore that in any mm. way. And it kind of, I agree with you that that, that moment is kind of lost. Um, and that's why to me, it's it, it's not really the, 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 it's just funny that you said that because it was just wasn't my perspective on the game whatsoever. My perspective on the game mm. was this murder story with this, you know, you know, cool timeline mechanic. I didn't particularly like um, Max either. I thought she was quite whiny. Uh, but for me, the the main character of the game wasn't Max. It was it was Chloe. You yeah. know, Chloe was definitely the main character for me, um, mm. and. And so, yeah, I, I know, like I'm a, I was a, you know, early thirties, mid thirties guy playing this game, um, trying to put myself into the shoes of a teenage girl, and I, you know, <laughs> I think I gave them more. I, I think I gave them more um, 
uh, credit at the time because I was like, well, uh, who am I to judge what a teenager should or, you know, teenage American girl should say or not right. because I'm a, you know, mid-30s Irish man. Like, <laughs> right. You no, know, maybe, 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 maybe teenage girls do going around saying hella this and hella that. <laughs> you know, I'm not to know. <laughs> but I think you've, you've literally lived that, that. that yeah, I'm, that, it is probably um, just a bit that life, you know, reductive you know, and redundant so. for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, I hear this, like, this, and also, like, there were certain choices that, okay, so the if we, if we scraped it down to its bare bones, I can look at Life is Strange and be like, wow, what an impressive story. But then there were, there were acting choices and voiceover choices and actress choices that just, like, set it all up for failure for me. Like, my God. I wish, and this is something I do even just like if I'm watching YouTube or something, like if I, if there was a possibility for me to take every single line that Max said and play it back on 1.5 speed, I would. Because every line read she gave felt like she was saying the most dramatic thing in the entire world, the most profound statement. And it was just like, chill out. Sometimes just like, like a, a newspaper is a newspaper like that we don't need all of this dramatization all the time because if you're constantly writing at a 10 in drama we get desensitized we don't need it like we need you to ride around like a comfortable three of being angsty if you have to and then being like whoa holy shit here's this big moment you know but like all of it was at the same level of angst like that that was that was definitely mm. what killed me because like she would talk about stuff with chloe and like being like oh my god Chloe's, you know, suddenly paralyzed, or if I'd go back, I'm going to kill her father. And then she would talk about like talking to a dumb boy in school with the same level of gravitas. And I just can't, I can't do it. <laughs> it made me insane. Yeah. I mean, as I said, like, I, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't particularly like Max's character. In I, think it. She um, I think she was a vehicle for plot, um, for Chloe more. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, if I'm to, to, defend it in any way and maybe to even defend max in some way okay. is that I, I think it's difficult to do monologuing that doesn't sound whiny and and actually if you think like of some I of the best so. games that are out there now at the moment they nearly always put you with a partner that is someone that you get to talk to there's there's less monologuing monologuing in itself is kind of just a little bit kind of drama and you know a little bit whiny <laughs> i mean i definitely don't agree with that at all i i think personal narrative is an insight to like the way the person talks or thinks or something like i can promise you even in mm. my very like i can have dramatic moments but my personal monologue is not only <laughs> drama like there are times where i'm just like bebopping around and i'm like singing a song or like dancing or something like just being a dimensional human i don't think her inner monologue was well written I think I think the the writing. Okay, well, okay, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend Max anymore than yeah. that, right? But <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I, you know, I tried, I failed, but uh, you know, I, I, my heart isn't in defending Max. But what I will I will say to to defend the game is, I think what a lot of people loved about it was that it was actually quite a subtle story, and for a generation of gamers that have grown up, kind of, you know, with big you know action adventure big set piece moments with you know end of the world sort of consequences constantly to have a kind of a relatively subtle game about school mm. about being a teenager 
um, and about some of the, you know, yes, Max is kind of annoying in the way she talks about it, but like they're real life, you know, issues for the most part. Yeah. Apart from the timeline changing stuff. And that, I think that's why people liked it because that hasn't no, really see, been that's done what I'm saying. much in games. Like it, the bones of it are good. But I remember, I literally, I remember the mm. specific experience of like, do you remember when, obviously now I know that it was Mr. Jefferson that like sneaked into her, her dorm room. Spoilers. Yeah. I mean, we, we said spoilers ages mm-hmm. ago, but, um, but like Jefferson, like obviously like sneaked into her dorm room and wrote in like red paint, something very threatening and menacing. And she just like breezed past it. She was like, oh, what an inconvenience. Everything in here is ruined. And then we didn't talk about it for the rest of the game. And that, the fact that we treated <laughs> that moment the same as we treated like text messages from like Jessica or whatever her name was, like I was, I was shocked. It didn't, it didn't add up, you know? I wouldn't let any of this turn you off Life is Strange 2 because I think they No, I'm, I'll play it. They're different characters. Life is Strange 2 has some, some big, yeah, totally different characters, totally different powers. Uh, some, a lot of similarities in terms of gameplay, but, um, you know, um, they've, they've, they've got better with their storytelling and there's definitely less whiny teenager stuff happening. Oh my God, thank goodness. <laughs> so... We had intended to talk about more, but as is want to happen between us, we got too excited and talked about everything for way too long. So um, (laughs) we're actually just going to postpone that little bit of the topic to our next episode. And now I want to talk about the amazing community that we're building up. And I am so privileged to have all of you listening. Um, So we have a community discord that is starting to take off, which is very, very exciting. And um, we've just... uh, I'm just so grateful for the supporters that I had throughout all of this. Like whether you're you're new or or have been with me since the beginning, I just am eternally grateful. But um, specific shout out to Writer's Revenge or Rachel. Um, she's just the absolute best. She is the mod on my um, on my socials or on my um, on my Twitch, and she's the mod in our Discord and everything. And she's just a gem of a human being. And I just think, like, if I could highlight a, a member in our community this week, it would absolutely <laughs> be Rachel, because she is just the best. And she has been such a rock for so many uh, changes that have happened in this career of mine that's taken off in such a short amount of time. Do you have anyone that you want to? I mean, she no, she's amazing, uh, and I know you had asked uh, myself and and and, and uh, Rachel to be mods at a, uh, at the same time, and uh, <laughs> yours I is purely entitled. At this, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's purely title only. I, I don't know how Twitch works. I'm, no. I'm you know, but I, you know, I'm I'm learning. But uh, no, Rachel, Rachel is amazing, and everyone loves her, mm. and um, she's so on it the whole time as she well. She is so, yeah, a huge thank you to her. I do think we should should um, should highlight maybe our mascot Primark. Oh well. yeah, Primark! What a gem! This boy, this boy has been he, here he since like nearly day one of um, of my streaming stuff, and has been I think at every single stream since, which is you know three or two times a week, every week. Like he has been here for months. And um, is always so active in chat and and just like just always being like hilarious. He's so clever. He's so just so clever and witty and funny. Just really brings a light to. Our he, he is, and 
but he's also he's also so so naive sometimes yeah. as well, and he's got into trouble for spoilers yeah. and, and things like that. So I think he has this uh, he he has this very sort of um, nice sort of um, mix of being like very intelligent and very witty, but yeah. also just being kind of very young and yeah. very kind of silly sometimes as well. So I, I, I really like that mix. <laughs> like with the spoilers thing, that was hilarious um he gave me a spoiler in stream and he didn't realize that it was like a spoiler he's just being helpful um in his eyes but like he got told off by by ned just briefly to be like hey you're just try not to backseat we're doing this like she's obviously never played this before and he was like so upset that he had done something that he had stepped out of line in any way and he was like never again and he, like, he was so grave about the mistake and everything and it's just like he's he's just such a gem like he's such a little sweetie and i just love having you guys in the in the community and like of course we've got loads of other members but to just highlight you guys specifically very very big thank you to uh to you both and oh my god with that i guess that is the first episode of late to the game done so if you want more late to the game news or any sort of updates on whatever i'm doing please, please, please check out uh, www.redellygamer.com and that's R-E-D-E-L-L-I-E-G-M-R.com. And on that, you will find all of my socials and you will find a link to our Discord as well if you want to join the community. So thank you so much to Ned for joining uh, for this thank first you. episode and for many after. Um, and yeah, thank you for tuning in. So that's our first episode. Yay! <laughs> Bye. Bye.